listening to Hope Alive, your number one online Christian radio station. Good evening and welcome to Mind Your Business. I am your host, Ntando Masego, and very excited to join you guys this evening. This show would never be the same without you, our listeners, to Hope Alive Radio, and we appreciate you. If you're listening to this show tonight, you are an entrepreneur, you are thinking about being an entrepreneur, or you've even tried entrepreneurship and you feel like, I, this is not for me, but we've got good news for you in this show. One of our mission is to empower entrepreneurs through amazing ideas and amazing conversations with entrepreneurs that are crushing it out there. So to get things started today, I'm alone today and not lonely because my co-hosts are really busy. You can imagine with people that work with entrepreneurs, stuff does come up. But tonight, I want to talk about myths, like dangerous myths and beliefs that entrepreneurs have, like statements that have gone out there that are popular. Entrepreneurs mistakenly believe them because they have been said in podiums where the person who was saying it was so powerful, it sounded true. But we're going to explore them because they're the reasons why some entrepreneurs struggle. Believing in them is dangerous, or at least if they go unevaluated. But before we get to that, there's a, there's a song. There's a song by Willie Spence that I, I want to play. It's a song that he sang on Idols, and the reason why I'm seeing it, I'm playing it today is he I just got terrible news that he passed away and I, I got the news late and this guy you should check out his clip on Facebook. His name is Willie Spence. He was on American Idol last year and he was runner up. What touches me about his story is there's a time in my journey as an author, I was writing a book and I was really, really low on confidence. And I had what they call writer's block. And yeah, the book was just not moving. And I watched one show and this guy stood up to sing and the song just hit a nerve. After that song, I went overdrive to write and type on the book. And before long, I think from the time that I listened to the song and to him sing, it's not even his song, it's Beyonce's song, but the way he sang and delivered the song touched me so much that I felt, no man, it, this is my time. I've got to make this happen every time. Every time I listen to that song, it takes me back to, to that time, that moment that I heard it for the first time that I watched this guy deliver it with so much power and so much passion. And I know for me, look, if you go and check out his clip on YouTube, Willie Spence, what you're going to see is he was struggling with his weight. And before the show, before Idols, American Idols, he had to go to hospital and he believed, he for a long time he believed he was not going to make it. And making it with the support of his family he decided what if life is not guaranteed let me give my dreams a shot let me go and give it my all and even in the song it says i did my best i tried my all and 
I lived, I loved, I did the things that I wanted to do, but the best part of it is even when I did them, it was more than I thought it would be. And my take on the song, my take on him and his delivery and the way he touched me and how I got to finish my book ultimately. So it's actually a big thanks to him. There are others, but it's a really big thanks to him. And I resonate with this part of the song that says, I did everything that I wanted and the outcome was more than I thought it would be. This year... I, I published my book. I haven't even launched it. But this year, there's a, a seminar that I went to give a talk at in Newcastle KZN with the Department of Tourism. And someone stood up after the talk and someone they had picked up the book during the at some time during the seminar. But they asked the question that how many people are in this? How many people are here? And this person got the number and he bought a copy of the book for everyone that uh, that was in the event. For me, it was a shock. It was an amazing experience, validation that you've done good work. But it took me back to the song. It took me back to Willis Spence when you are saying, look, in my moment of being down, in my moment of self-doubt, I just decided to give my all give my best, put my best work out there and see what the outcome would be. And that's amazing, man. And I guess may his soul rest in peace. It's unfortunate that I'm even raising him up now at a time when AKA was shot and a lot of artists are losing their lives. That's a sad situation for the country, for entrepreneurs out there. But I wanted to bring him up, Willis Pence, because I found out that he passed away and it touched me, man. It touched me to the core because I know what he did for me in that moment when he was just delivering it. What I felt was a good and well-delivered song on idols. Right. So today, I promised that if you're an entrepreneur, you want to be an entrepreneur, you've tried entrepreneurship and things just didn't work out. Uh, I've got some stuff for you. It's not advice, so I'm just going to engage some fallacies, some statements that we've heard out there that entrepreneurs believe, don't evaluate, and find themselves in trouble. Now, the very first one, excited about this one, the very first one that I have heard, and this I've heard in a business seminar, someone stood up, a very, very powerful speaker, and they said they were well articulated. They spoke so well and said, you need, you need to know your English. Like your English, your English game needs to be at a very high level if you're going to do entrepreneurship and win the game. Now, everyone clipped their hands because of how it was said. You know, there are people that can say stuff in such a powerful way. It sounds true if you're not listening critically. And even I, I have to admit, I wasn't listening critically at the time. But when I got home, I got to thinking, no, man, <laughs> this is not a statement that you just want to take. Because I started remembering oh, the number of entrepreneurs. I, I'm a business coach and a business trainer. Go around the country training and coaching entrepreneurs and 
I started thinking about the number of entrepreneurs that I've coached who could not speak English but made it. And I started remembering the hundreds. They are many. They are not few. They're the hundreds that make a lot of money. And if we bring them up on stage and say, give a talk, tell us how you did it and give this talk in English, it goes, <laughs> yeah, it goes sideways because English is not a language that they can speak, but they somehow make money. So the statement was you need your English game to be at a high level if you're going to articulate yourself in high spaces. So I, I want to say to every entrepreneur out there, it's a statement that can kill your confidence if your English game is not at a high level or if you are already feeling insecure about your English. So think about this. You do need English. You do need to be well articulated if you're going to sell to a target market that requires it. So I remember one of my favorite clients. She's in case KZN. Let me not name names, but she, she's, she struggles with English. And I'm mentioning it because she used to be a cleaner at a municipality, and she left, she saved up some money during the time that she was cleaning at the municipality. So let's say she was earning 3,000 rand. I don't know exactly how much she was earning at the time because this is like a decade ago. So let's say she was earning 3,000 rand. So she started saving up and until to, uh, it got to a time where she had 19,000 rand saved up. And someone told her that I was around because, well, her brother told her I was around in the area and I was training them about entrepreneurship and he suggested to her that, look, you're not part of the training, but try talking to this guy and let's see what advice he can have for you. At the time, I had never coached any entrepreneurs, so I'd be lying if I said I knew what I was doing. She just came. I just knew I love talking entrepreneurship and training entrepreneurs on the stuff that I had learned and experienced. So when she came to me, one question I asked her was, okay, now we're speaking in Zulu, obviously, but one question I asked was, how did you start? And she recounted the story of working at the municipality, earning the 3,000 rands, and then saving up, creating a savings account where she started putting money away. I found that story so profound, and it touched me. It convinced me to coach her for free. And I was thinking, as she was talking, if you're saving from a salary of 3,000 rands a month, how long would it take you to get to 18,000? I didn't ask her something that I was thinking. And the other thing I was thinking was, if you have been saving your money for this long, at some point must your savings were 3,000 equal to what you're earning. At some point, your savings got to six. They got to 9,000. And a new phone comes out. And there are specials. And you hear Black Friday. And your money is now at 11,000. Imagine the level of temptation she had to get past to save the money up to that point. But anyway, that's not the, the main part of the story. So she saves up this money and she hears that there's a course in Joburg. She leaves for that course, spends 9,000 rands on the course over a week, and she learns how to make 
a product that she was eventually say I'm not going to mention the product so I don't want to create competition for her she learns to make a product and uses the balance of her money like she withdraws everything uses the balance to start buying stock transports it back and she's making this project and selling it so by the time I meet her she's selling this product and making about three four thousand runs a month and then with the engagement that I had with her advising her on some of the stuff marketing stuff getting a team selling in multiple locations she started getting some increase in sales and she I know she got to about 14 15,000 a month and then we had an amazing argument because I said you are working from 8 to 3 3:30 and you are earning a certain amount and how much look at how much you are using to sell your product to end this 15,000 at the time she was working 2 hours after work after hours to sell and then make that 15,000 by the end of the month and i said the math is not balancing anymore so if you're not if you're listening i'm not saying uh, go quit your job i never she's the only one up to now that i ever told it's time to quit your job and i say it was an exciting argument because she said you are mad most have got a family and this thing is risky and we took four months with a back and forth around this argument until she gave in and just said okay i will trust you because you've stuck at this argument for this long and she resigned when she did resign because now she had the whole day to work on her business and work on sales she pretty much went above 20 25 sometimes on good months and it was really working for her as an entrepreneur now this is someone who starts at 3 to 5 to 15 to 25000 and after a year she called me to say now i'm on 30 i'm buying a car and it's a story that touched me the most and it gave me that first feeling of what it feels like to coach someone who's got a family and a very low earnings cap and help them grow their business to a very high earning cap with respect to where they are starting what it feels like when they come and they are almost in tears and they are saying thank you thank you for what you've done for me but the reason i'm bringing up that story is i said the first statement you need english to win in business <laughs> up to now she she still can't speak the english if we had this conversation and interview right now and i started engaging in english i'm sure you would have a very exciting show because it gets very funny but she's making the kind of money that she never believed she could make she's grown her business way beyond the numbers that i'm talking about now because she went to learn to do other products she didn't stop growing and developing herself but when i look at her story and the stories of many other entrepreneurs that i've met who can't speak english but go on and make it out there in business i remember henry ford who was accused to be illiterate or of low literacy and they had to bring panels to say this man is not very literate and his one argument that shut everyone down was everything that you say i can't say or do 
I can find someone who can do and say on my behalf. So who is literate, me and you? I'm making this money and the stuff you say I can't do. There's always someone willing to do it for me. So to entrepreneurs out there, you do need the English if you're going to sell in spaces where English is a requirement. That is set. <laughs> that you can't get away with. But you need to master the language of your target market. So let me say this again. You need to master the language of your target market. If the target market that you're going after needs you to speak English, <laughs> you better get good at speaking that English. But if your target market is a cast and they want you to come bring, speak that Sutu, speak that Shangani, uh, speak uh, any language, speak that Zulu, speak that Ndebele, I speak the language of your target market and you will be just fine. So that's the first one. And you can tell, I, I like it because I have so many examples of entrepreneurs that go against the grain and without the English because the target market that they've decided to serve speak a language that they resonate with, they are fine. Right, so that's the first one. The second one is fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. Now, yeah, this one, again, it's one that is said by many personal branding experts and it's said so many times. It's said so powerfully. It's said by people who can articulate themselves so well. It sounds true. <laughs> and I, I have to admit there's some grain of truth to it. And I've been in spaces where I've actually used it. So I won't be a hypocrite and say I've not used it. Or maybe to give you context, let me tell you a bit of the story of one time that I did use it. So a decade ago, I lost my business and I lost all my savings. And when I lost the business, I lost any source of income. And I had to downgrade homes, apartments like five times within two years. And this is five times downgrading each time until I was staying in an RTP house and paying rent of 500 rands. And because my income was low, any little hustle that I had was going to debt. I had created a nasty huge hole. That's why I'm passionate about the book that I wrote about this. So when I was in that space and when I was staying there where I was staying, one of the things that I then realized was because I lost, I, I ran out of clothes. I had three shirts, three good ones, and I had two pairs of pants. I had one pair of shoes. Form, I'm talking formal. So I did have stuff to wear during weekends and stuff that I couldn't wear when I'm going for meetings. But one lesson, one big lesson that I learned was most of the stakeholders that I was selling my services to, I was only having to meet once a month. So my three shirts were on a schedule. So I'd remember that so I'm going to meet this company and the last time I was wearing this shirt. So the shirts had a timetable and even going to church because Bazalini can charge. I had a schedule <laughs> for the shirts as well. So I managed to pull it off for, let's say, about six months of 
yeah, the hustle was not pulling any income. The sheds were three, but they were on a very neatly crafted rotational schedule and no one noticed. I don't think anyone, well, I tell myself that no one noticed. But one thing that I like with that encounter, with that part of my life is I realized one very, very powerful point, And this is this, it's this, that when you walk into people's offices, you don't have anything written on your forehead that says this guy has three shirts that says this guy this is the only pair of shoes that you're seeing right now there is nothing like that so i don't know if you say i was faking it <laughs> until i made it but that's what i was doing i just kept myself presentable in the times that i had to and managed the little resources that i had around the meetings that were in front of me and it worked out man i pulled it off and that was good. It worked out nicely for me until I got to times where maybe let me add an extra lesson, which is not part of the show. It got to a time where now I was starting to earn about 10000 through my hustles, training here and there, writing business plans for entrepreneurs. And when I was earning that 10000 I still stayed at that place where I was paying 500 rand rent. And I realized that it gave me a fighting chance in the marketplace. If my rent is 500 rands and I earn 10,000 rands in that month, I had a lot of money left to fix my life. If you're out there laughing at my 10,000 and saying it was a lot, hey man, it was a lot for me. And it's the money, it's the resource space that I use to basically fight my way out of that hole. And when I came out, and started teaching entrepreneurs some of these things, I realized that many have structured their lives in such a way that they don't have a fighting chance at all. You earn that 10000 and your rent, before you do anything else, your rent is already 6000 So you have very little left to fight your way out of any situation that you find yourself in. So that was another side lesson, powerful lesson that I learned during that time. But the whole idea of fake it till you make it the reason why i challenged that statement even though i just said it's a statement that i used and i used quite effectively i showed you my formula here's the danger with it though there are a number of things there are three big things i'll mention two three big things that can crush your confidence as an entrepreneur when you walk into a space and someone that you owe money shows up or someone that you owe money gives you a call and you are about to talk important conversations with people, my brother, my sister, that is going to crush your confidence. <laughs> so I've experienced that. And the other thing is you are about to walk into your space. They've called you to talk, to train. And the minute you walk in, there's someone in the room that knows your lie or that knows your story. They know that what you're about to talk about, you're not living. Now, when you see that, and there's someone in the room that knows that what you're talking about, you are not living. You are claiming to be something that you're not. That will destroy your confidence. So what you want is congruence. Alignment between what you say and what you portray and the life that you live and the principles that you teach, you are at least actually living or 
making an attempt and your sharing with the people that you're talking to becomes, look, this is the principle. This is how far I've gone in trying to implement it. And these are, these are the results that I'm getting. So be careful with fake it till you make it philosophy. Just know congruence is a good thing. Truth and honesty, they are invaluable. They will save you from a whole lot of headaches as an entrepreneur. So we've gone through two exciting fallacies that entrepreneurs believe in and they get them in trouble. Right. Now, the third one is this one I, I hear a lot, mainly from people that want to start entrepreneurship. People that have never tried it before and they want to start. They say it's hard to make money. It's hard to make money as an entrepreneur. So, obviously, all these statements that I'm saying, they have a grain of truth to them because genuinely, if you're going to do anything to make money, you do need to master the fundamentals that you need to succeed in that space. If you want to work as a lawyer, you need to funda, master the fundamentals that you need to succeed as a lawyer. If you want to work as a cleaner, master the fundamentals that you need to succeed working as a cleaner. If you want to do business, master the fundamentals that you need to succeed as an entrepreneur. So if you are ignoring the fundamentals, then it definitely is going to be hard. So there is a grain of truth in that statement. But let's look at the other side of that coin. Let's go back a hundred years. Let's go back 200 years and say you want to make a million, a million bucks. What would you need to do to make that kind of money 100, 200, 300 years ago? You would need to go mining for gold and silver and copper and a whole truckload of it. You would need to have thousands of cattle. I don't know what other formula they would have at back then, but to make that kind of money back then, 200, 300 years ago, the effort that you would have to put in was scary huge. Now, if you look at what you have to do now to make that kind of money, you've got a whole lot of options. If you go back 100 years and you say, you've got a great product. It's a product that many people that are buying really absolutely love. Now, many of the people that would buy that product are not buying the product right now because they don't know the product exists. So promote the product. What were your options 100 years ago? Look at what your options were 200 years ago. Look at what your options are now. People go do a creative TikTok video and it trends, it goes viral. They get known by 10,000 people overnight. People do Facebook ads. People go post the stuff on Instagram. People post educational content about their products now on Instagram and you get known by hundreds of people in a day, especially if you're even paying. So the options you have for increasing the pace of product development, the options you have for getting stock from multiple suppliers, 
the options you have for marketing and reaching out to audiences at scale now compared to the options that you had 10 years ago, 20, 30, 100 years ago, they are so huge. And with that comes the opportunity that's in front of you. They are, I was impressed watching a show about TikTok, um, think about a month ago. It came on Netflix and anything to do with entrepreneurship, I, it will catch my attention. And I saw TikTokers that are making millions. And the one that impressed me the most is a guy that does beatboxing. Just beatboxing with his mouth, trends goes viral and gets creative with beatboxing. And try and think of that guy 10 years ago. Try think of that guy 20 years ago. He's in school, he's at varsity, and he's telling everyone, I'm going to quit varsity and I want to do beatboxing. Try and think what the experience the audience would have been like listening to him. Or he even says, I had to tell my parents that this is the career path that I'm choosing. And imagine how they felt when they heard him say, I'm quitting school. I want to do beatboxing on TikTok. He's made the kind of money now that made the parents believers. But all I'm saying is, as much as it was much, much harder to make money then, you have so many options now. And the responsibility as an entrepreneur is, how fast are you going to learn about all these options that you have? All the options that you have of reaching out to any audience, all the options that you have of developing new products and making improvements to the product, all the options you have of doing research, doing basic research. They didn't have the internet 30, 40 years ago. They didn't have as much access as you have right now to learn and ask any question that you have and get an answer in seconds. So there is some truth to the fact that it's hard to make money. It's hard to win in business, but it's only hard to someone who hasn't mastered the fundamentals that they need to succeed in business. And those include marketing, those include developing a team, those include developing and improving your product, offering an amazing service to your customers. There are many of these fundamentals that if you get right, you will do well in business. So it's not hard to make money if you're willing to take the time to invest in learning the fundamentals of what it takes to succeed in business. So that's the third one. Let's look at another one. Uh, some say as an entrepreneur, one advantage of an entrepreneur is you get to be your own boss. I like this one. You get to be your own boss. And unfortunately, when they do become entrepreneurs, they realize they are not a good boss and they don't pay <laughs> very well and they don't pay consistently and they are abusive when it comes to working hours. So entrepreneurship is not something that you get into because you want to be a boss or you want to be your own boss. Entrepreneurship is something that you want to get into because you've identified a problem in the community that you can so solve. You have a, an audience that you want to serve. Give 
a solution to problems that they have. It's something that you want to get into if you know you are willing to get past all the rejection that you're going to face because believe me, you will face plenty. All the insecurities that you're going to get past because believe me, you will have many opportunities to doubt yourself. <laughs> they will come in numbers. But I'm saying this because you can get past all of that. Entrepreneurship is something that you want to get into if you know you are going to commit to developing yourself and have fun in the whole process of learning, making mistakes, getting more experience, improving your product, your service, yourself, your team. If you are that person, then entrepreneurship is going to be a fun journey and you will enjoy being a boss by the effect that you are saving not only your customers, but you are saving also the team that works with you. And that's a powerful thing because you get to change lives. When I share the story of customers coming and say thank you, I've had customers coming and saying thank you. My business was in bad shape. And after that workshop, after that mentorship, I went and improved how the operation was set up, structured, and the performance. And this is how I'm doing. By that time, I had contemplated committing suicide. So when someone comes and says that, and someone says, thank you for the teaching, thank you for the mindset training, thank you for the self-mastery workshops, this is what they did for me. I know I get to serve someone, and my life has some meaning out there, and it does something to how I wake up and feel about the day. It, it feels good. It does feel good. <laughs> so it's not about being your own boss. It's about serving. It's about growing and improving and developing yourself. It's about embracing the fun of the journey and the process of development. So it's not really about being your own boss, although that can be an inevitable consequence. And if that's still what you want to hold on to, just make sure you are a great leader, you are a, a great boss, a boss that you can be proud of. Now, there's another one. I don't know how much time I have left, but let me engage this one. This one says, to succeed in entrepreneurship, you need a lot of passion. Now, as with the previous statements, there is a grain of truth to this. You do need passion. You, if you have a lot of passion, it does help. But I only engage this because I've, again, seen entrepreneurs who succeed not because they are passionate about... So there's context to passion. They succeed not because they are passionate about the product itself, but they are passionate about the community they are serving. And they succeed because of that. I've also seen entrepreneurs who succeed because they are just good at doing business. And they start things not because they are passionate about them. They just want to find something to do and they commit to excelling in how to do whatever it is they decide to do. Passion then becomes something that drives them later because they see it working, they get the accolades, they get the thank yous. 
in my case as a coach, I gave you an example earlier about how I started as a coach. The entrepreneur that I coached, and I didn't even know I was coaching, by the way. All I knew was I'm talking to someone who's doing business, and I'm enjoying it. And I'm enjoying seeing them experiment and, and grow, do some cool stuff. So with, with this first client, I was not passionate about coaching. I just got to enjoy helping out. I just was helping out someone. Now, an inevitable consequence of that experience led to me being called to train a group for a year. And one woman came and sat me down. I remember I was having a very, what I felt was a powerful workshop. And I was supposed to coach these entrepreneurs to develop their strategy. Man, I was rolling. I felt, yes, this is going really nicely. And this woman was called in to come and observe how things are going. So she calls me to the side at the end to say, okay, let me give you feedback on my evaluation, how you did. And I'm excited, as you would expect, because you know the entrepreneurs were happy. They even gave like a big round of applause at the end of the session. So I'm thinking, yeah, things went well. So she comes and says, I that what you are doing is training. That, that was not coaching. That hurt a bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it struck a nerve because I was expecting good feedback. And from the way the clients were saying thank you and clipping hands, I thought, man, she would put it nicely. But hey, she was brutally honest. So I got to thinking, well, not during the meeting because I had to process during the meeting, Bella. It hurt. To get, to get negative feedback, I had to be to have a lot of self-mastery uh, to get past that one encounter. But after the meeting, I started thinking about why she was saying what she was saying. And I realized she is saying that because she cares about my next encounter with this group. And she realizes that there's a lot of room for me to grow. And she's only saying, well, I had to convince myself this. She's only saying this because she believes I can improve and I can grow. And what I then did was, because I didn't know what the difference was between mentorship, coaching, training, it was all the same thing for me. I then went to study and research and check for multiple coaching schools of thought. And I studied a number of them, three in particular. Now, as I did that study and went back to coaching, did the study, went back to coaching, did the study, went back to coaching. I started to learn what coaching is, how to do it better. And I can safely say, after a year or so, I grew in passion about coaching. But this is after a year of coaching and doing it. I was, for the first year, just doing it because that was a source of income at the time. But later, seeing the impact, seeing the results, and seeing what it was doing for clients. Then I started to realize there's something here. There's meaning here. And there's purpose for me here. And that was an amazing experience for me. Now I do what I do because I'm incredibly passionate about it. But that's not where I started. So passion is important. Passion is powerful. It's, it's fuel that can actually save you from giving up sometimes but re just remember 
if the solution is what you believe the community needs, even if it's not a project that you're passionate about. Look, I know other entrepreneurs that started because the product was relevant, the timing was good, the community would love the product, the product worked, and because they were not passionate about it later, they sold that business. That's still a type of entrepreneurship. So it's not passion that's driving you there. It's just you know how to build a business and you will sell it to someone later who's passionate about it. It's been really fun doing this, I must say. And because I've got like five minutes left with you, I'm going to engage one last statement, one last myth or fallacy that I've had. And I know, even as I say it, there are many out there that believe this. They are mostly perfectionists, and they would say, if you want things done, do them yourself. Or if you want things done right, do them yourself. Think about it. And this is a weakness for a lot of entrepreneurs that I've worked with. And because they believe this and they hold on to this belief and they've probably experienced it. Look, when you bring a team in, chances are if you are good at what you do, they are not going to perform immediately at the level that you are performing. But that's why you are a leader. And that's why coaching is a part of leadership. That's why patience comes with coaching as a, an invaluable ingredient. You, if you want to go far, you want to take others along with you. Now, the fortunate part about the world we live in now is that the demand on recruiting many individuals is not is getting less, which is fortunate for entrepreneurs, unfortunate for those that are looking for employment, because the reality is AI is replacing a lot of jobs. It's eliminating a lot of skills. And if you're looking for a job out there, if you're even going to study something in university, this is one thing you really, really want to pay attention to because there are kids right now that finish metric. They are going to go into varsity and study a degree for a career that by the time they finish university is going to be absolutely irrelevant and redundant. By the time you are done with your degree, they won't need you in the marketplace because AI would have created a solution that dictates that that entrepreneur doesn't need you anymore. So it's fortunate for the entrepreneurs that have got these tools because now where they needed to hire 100 people, they end up hiring 15, which saves them on cost. And with AI is 100 times more productive and efficient than a human being. So scary times that we live in, but the truth of the statement still is this. If you want to do things right, if you want to go very far, build not just a team, but build a high-performing team. Support that team with a high-performance culture. And if you want this to happen and this to last, you want to be a high-performance coach as a leader. You want to be a leader that coaches high-performance. There are many leaders out there that do this with ease. So they can be role models for you. You can go 
read a book about leadership and developing teams and building high-performance teams. The resources are many out there, but it's not a do-it-yourself game because you've got two options, recruit and train and develop. Or recruit someone who's better than you because that's another play that entrepreneurs have. And if you are good at recruiting someone who's better than you, then obviously you don't even have to say that statement because you know that if I try to do it, I won't do it as well as the person that I've brought in. So entrepreneurs, I hope this has been useful for you. It's ideas and thoughts that I've learned and encountered working with many entrepreneurs out there. And until we meet again next week, it's been wonderful engaging on this. So see you next week, same time. Thank you. This is Hope Alive Radio, shaping minds for a better future. Thank you.